0: That great philosopher of our time, Mike Tyson, once said this. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. One of my favorite screen artists, Bruce Lee, says it this way as he spoke to Bob Wall in Enter the Dragon. As Bob Wall attempted to show him how strong he was and how intimidating he was, he took the boards and and he held the board and he threw it up, or he held it, whatever the case was, And he punched it, and he broke all the boards. And Bruce Lee says, boards don't hit back. But what exactly did Mike Tyson mean by everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth? Well, you see, boxers, they have all types of strategies. And they explain before a fight, oftentimes, how they will move, how they will bob and weave and dodge and punch and step. And even remember the one great boxer of our time uh, invented the great move called the rope-a-dope. Remember that? But the testing of all the planning, it really comes into play when the boxer steps into the ring. When they face a real opponent who throws a real punch who can also weave and bob and rope-a-dope and dance and the like, then they are, have come face-to-face with reality. But you know, life is much the same way. Remember all the one-year plans that you got together? and the five-year plans, and the ten-year plans that you set into place. In fact, all of it was going just great until life came along and, and just smacked you right in the kisser. Remember when life punched you that one time? Life punched you so hard that All you could do is see stars. You really wondered if you would ever, ever recover. In fact, we really don't know how hard life can punch us until uh, we get suckered punched a second time. Uh, you, You see, the first time is hard. But when you get punched harder the second time, then you realize that you don't know as much as you thought that you knew. You're not as strong as you thought you were. Today's message, it runs along these same rails. It's about two different circumstances where people were just doing life as normal. You know, doing what people do. When all of a sudden some circumstance came along and abruptly changed the trajectory of their life. They thought that they had it together, and then that one thing entered into their life and it changed them in an instant. It was something that they were not expecting. It was something that nobody wants to deal with, but yet it happened anyway. And I tell you, welcome to the human race. This is what happens when life shifts from, uh, from normal to desperation in the blink of an eye. Has it ever happened to you? Has life ever sucker-punched you so hard that all you could do is see stars and you would try to get up but all you could do is stagger? Well, I don't want this to happen to anyone. Oh, I don't want it to happen to me. But yet there's God's great love, and mercy, and grace waiting for you at the end of the rainbow. So let's see what happens when life punches a couple of folks in the mouth, and how they respond. Please turn with me to Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Mark chapter 5. But as we know, in some of those cases, truly some other underlying issues at hand. But then there's the stories we hear about that one child that uh, was just in a serious accident, was doing nothing but riding in the parent's car. Or that child that's sitting in their house looking at television uh, when all of a sudden a car uh, comes ramming through the front door. I can sometimes see it in my own mind. All the potential of these young people being cut short by accidents and by acts of violence or even through the course of nature. The bottom line is that it's all sad. But here we have a story where the ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, he had a bad situation on his hand with concerning his daughter Jairus was in a difficult place because uh, he believed that his daughter would never have a chance to live a fulfilled life and to be a productive citizen Jairus probably would have never thought in a million years that his little daughter now twelve years old would be at the gates of death never I'm sure that he thought that his daughter would be the one that would attend his funeral. But never, but never in a million years could he imagine uh, that his poor, innocent daughter would be knocking on death's door. This is how we also reason through uh, matters of of such gravity. Come on, our children... Our little ones, remember how cute they were? And they grow up and whatever happens to them, but then they grow up again, right? And then they end up in that good place, right? Our kids are supposed to have good careers. They're supposed to have good jobs. They're supposed to do better than us. We're supposed to grow old, see them get married, see them with their own children. We're supposed to see all of this. But the reverse is not supposed to happen. We're not supposed to attend our children's funeral. No, this is craziness. This is madness. So Jairus was stuck in a moment of time in which all the options had been used. Jairus had plans and had thoughts and a hope for his daughter. But now... He had been punched right in the mouth. Jairus here, in verse 23, he wanted Jesus to come and lay hands on his, he says, little daughter, so that she may live and be made well. Scripture says that she was at the point of death. That means that she was dying. Her life was ebbing away. Moment by moment. But then, what could someone do who had neither medical training uh, uh, nor the latest, uh, knew the latest in the medical uh, technology? What could they do if they didn't have these things to help diagnose and treat the condition of this terminal little girl? In fact, as you see, it was nameless. In fact, who would have faith enough to ask, and who would be bold enough even uh, to go and to make it happen? His Father's thinking also reflects our thinking. Just hoping that uh, in the situation that we find ourselves in, that maybe if we can get to Jesus, uh, maybe if he just lay his hands on our situation maybe it can change Jairus desperately wanted Jesus desperately wanted Jesus to come and lay hands on his daughter again so she can what be made well again you know there's a ring of truth to that right especially when you think about passages where Jesus touched the individual and they were healed oh, look at Mark chapter 6 verse 56 mark 6 56 here it is all about jesus and whenever he came mark says in villages cities or countryside they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him uh, that they might uh, that they might touch even the fringe of his garment They just wanted just to touch Jesus. Let me me just touch uh, the hanging parts of your garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So people, it's clear through Scripture, they're being healed all over the place. So for those who say that, well, you know, all that healing is stuff by Jesus, Uh, you know, that stuff was for that time. And I'm going to tell you, you don't know the Word of God. And obviously, you don't know the power and authority of God either. So Jesus decides to go help Jairus' daughter and help him out of an impossible circumstance. Jesus comes along to help us out of an impossible situation. How many of you want to drag Jesus to some of the things that you're going through? Amen? Amen. Amen. But on the way, can you say on the way, please? On the way to Jairus' home, Jesus encounters a a crowd of people who have needs. Everybody got needs. You have needs. I have needs. All of God's children have needs. But these people, when they saw Jesus, they wouldn't wait for an invitation. They wanted to press in because maybe if I can just touch him, maybe my situation will change. So what happens now, you have a story about a woman who interrupts Jesus in the process of raising a little girl from the dead, or making her well, because at this particular time, she had not yet died. So what do you do? Uh, Here you have a terminal little girl. Uh, Jairus said that she's at the point of death. She's not dead. She's at the point of death. And now Jesus, he's marching with me. But did you get this? Here in verse 24, it says, And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him. So now you have Jesus and Jairus and the disciples, right? On the way to Jairus' home, but in addition to them, you got a crowd of people going with them. How many people need all those folks to get all up in your business to get somebody made well? Like Jesus, tell them all to go home. But we will do whatever it takes to get well, won't we? We will do whatever it takes to get well. Come on, verse 24 again, second part. And the great crowd followed him and thronged about him. They pressed in on him. 25, and, and there was a woman who had had a, a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, uh, all that she had, and was no better but rather grew worse, or as some people say, grew worser. Kind of reminds me of those folks who spent all their money on the lottery. They spent everything they have on the lottery, and at the end of the day, their situation has just got worse because now they have no money. But anyway, so this woman with this physical problem has spent all the money she had looking for a cure for her malady. She had become increasingly ill. Here it is. For how long? For 12 years. For 12 years, this woman was increasingly getting worse in her condition. And as a matter of fact, uh, she was sick as long as the little girl was alive. This woman was sick for as long as the little girl was alive because the little girl was 12 years old. Take a look at verse 42. So we will exhaust all of our money, all of our time, all of our energy. Before finally realizing that all of our efforts that is not working is coming to nothing. This woman with the issue of blood felt that her productiveness was cut short and had gotten worse over time. Now she has this debilitating malady. Can you imagine her, right? Uh, because if you know your scripture, if you know the Old Testament, you do know that for a woman who, uh, who was on her menstruation cycle, that she had to stay away from everybody else. You know that, right? So in essence, uh, she could basically say unclean. Unclean. She had to stay away from everybody. So now she's trying to sneak through. She's trying to sneak through because she doesn't want anyone to see her. She's just trying to get to Jesus all quiet because she knows that uh, the bottom line is that she needs to announce herself as being unclean. Hmm. But which is worse? Have to live with a condition that gets worse and worse over time? Or to be faced with death all of a sudden? Which one is the worst? The, the baddest of the situation. Both of these situations are challenging for anyone. So there must have been something uh, extraordinary about Jesus for people to throng about him, to press into him. The verse tells us that this woman, she suffered much. <laughs> she suffered much under many physicians. Physicians. Have you ever gone to doctors and they not know what's going on? Oh, boy, we've, we've been there. We've been there. We, we, we've gone had situations in our household where we've gone to see a doctor, and they're like, I don't know. But uh, uh, you need to pay your deductible on the way out. And then you go see the next one. Well, I really don't know. I can, I can guess. Well, uh, and before you can ask them a question, uh, do you have your insurance card? Then you pay him or her. And then you go to the next person. Uh, Well, this is going on. Well, I really don't know. But I tell you what, I got this uh, $3,000 test that you can take that will uh, help us to understand what's going on. I said, wait a minute. So if we we spend this money between us and insurance to figure out what's going on, will you know what's going on? I said, well, you know, it's going to help. Well, we understand that we do, because as some people <laughs> have said, that doctors they practice medicine, right? So this woman, she was in this uh, very bad place, asking everybody that they knew, "Can you help me? Can you help me? Uh, can you help a sister out?" But at the end of the day, uh, nobody could respond to her positively, and now she had no money, and she was up a creek without a paddle. What do you do when you have no resources and you don't have a dime left? What do you do? My guess is is that most of us will end up doing what we should have done in the first place. You know what that is. But we know that doctors are a blessing. Now, I, I needed to say that. Amen? Because I know probably in a couple of months i got to go see my doctor. So let me just put the positive energy out there, right? Uh, doctors are a blessing, Lord, for folks who have various ailments that overtake them. And I believe that the knowledge that they possess, it is a gift from God. God is the one who's able to create the human mind in such a way as to give it the capacity to help other folks. But again, one thing to remember that sometimes physicians, they don't know. This is just like if you are not a physician in your field, do you know everything in your field? And the answer is no. But in this case, this woman, she had become a test case for her doctor trying all types of solution you know sending for probably medicines from Mexico right going and see Canadian doctors right going to South Korea to get a new kinda of ginseng on the market trying to figure out will this help will this help and they kept seeing her as long as she had the money as long as you have money you can be my patient welcome but you walk in there without your insurance card you walk in there without a dime matter of fact people will probably say well I'll I'll just go to the county hospital okay go ahead and watch and see they send you a bill too this is one of those times when we learn the lesson that all the money in the world may not help us out of a terrible situation The same goes for the power of people that we think that we know because some are connected and networked. Uh, they think uh, we believe that we can always have the help that we need just at a call, on a telephone. But Jesus seems to tell us that our money or people may not be enough to get us out of a difficult situation. There are times that we need to call upon the higher power. And this is where we find an observation in all of chapter 5, in three stories. In these three stories, one about the demoniac, one about Jairus, and one about the woman with the issue of blood, that they all approached Jesus. Because no one else could help, but they figure out at least Jesus could. And at least with Jairus and the woman, this tells us that if we have an impossible situation, we must be bold and courageous enough to approach Jesus in the first place, don't be afraid. Uh, don't be concerned about what other folks think about you. When you are in a situation, you better get to the Lord. Amen. I was just reminded of uh, uh, of a story someone told me about another friend of mine, and that you know what God had. Uh, I believe that God had delivered him out of a situation. God had delivered this gentleman out of an impossible situation. That and in front of thousands of people, thousands of people, that he broke out and just started running over the whole church because his back was in such a corner, but God delivered him, and all that was inside of him, all he could do was run in worship. See, God, when God lights you on fire, then only a fool would stay in his seats. So if you ever feel like running, go ahead and worship the Lord. And lose a couple pounds at the same time. Maybe I'll go running with you. So Jesus is the only one capable of healing us from an impossible situation. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can do it. Come on, verse 27 verse 27 please so she had heard the reports about Jesus came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said if I touch even his garment I will be made well and immediately the flow of blood dried up what does it say how long did it take immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease well, that doesn't even make theological sense because why would you be able to touch someone's clothes and the power of God flow through someone's clothes in order to make you well well I don't This is the power of God. What we need, God has. Verse 30. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him immediately, turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Who touched my clothes? Who touched me? This woman with this issue of blood, she went after Jesus all because of what? She had heard about him. She had heard that Jesus could do the miraculous, so she went after Jesus. Keep in mind that people were struggling with Jesus left and right. The disciples were struggling with Jesus. Uh, The Pharisees and the scribes were struggling with Jesus. And we'll see next time that even the people from his own hometown were struggling with him. But Jesus didn't care. That even though he was interrupted on his way to Jairus' home, that he used it as an opportunity for ministry. Amen. Boy, that focus that Jesus had, I wish I had that focus. Jesus didn't say he had no time because he was on his way to raising the dead. How many of us sometimes say that we don't have time for folks? Well, I ain't got, ain't nobody got time for that, right? That all we want to do is just, we have to do, go from point A to, to point B and we had never intended to go uh, point A and a half and then point B. We're going to go from point A to point B. But Jesus utilized this moment as a time for ministry. Wouldn't that be the best excuse? Well, you know, a uh, little lady with issue of blood, I would love to help you, but uh, I really don't have time. Don't you know this little girl is dying? But if you wait till I come back, then I can come and minister to you. Again, that is the thing about God. He does make time for us because he cares for all of us. And God, he loves all of us. But then again, think about this. There were many people who were begging Jesus to do this and to do that. And Jesus never helped everyone. Did you notice that in Scripture? Did you notice that God doesn't always help everybody in need? That Jesus doesn't cure every disease that existed on the earth? He could have with just a spoken word and it could have been done instantly. But it wasn't. God's sovereignty and his sovereign purpose, that God had a plan and helping everyone at that time was not a part of it. But Jesus, he possessed such power that in this case uh, that the, uh, with the woman, that he didn't have to touch her. That Jesus didn't have to touch her or even say, you are now healed. But at the moment of contact, she was healed instantly. Why? Why was the woman healed? Because of her faith in God. She had struggled with this issue for 12 years. Can you imagine that? The difficulty after 12 years? That's enough to drain the hope out of any of us. So Jesus wanted to know who it was that touched him, uh, causing his divine power to exit him and to enter them for God's sovereign purpose. Who touched me? But wait a minute, one of the attributes of God is not only that he's omnipotent, not only that he's all-powerful, but God is also omniscient that he knows everything. Then Jesus, if you know everything, then why are you asking, who touched me? Why are you asking, don't you know Jesus? (laughs) Interesting question. But the disciples uh, believe that who touched me was a ridiculous question anyway, because there were so many people around. Uh, Jesus, come on. Number one, we, we're not even concerned with you being omniscient. You see, that was not part of their questioning. That's part of our questioning. Their questioning was not that I thought you were omniscient. The question was, how are you gonna ask us who touched us? And there's a million people around you, Jesus. Yeah, come on, Jesus. You you want to know who touched you, Jesus? I can hear some of you. You you want to know who touched you, Jesus? Everybody did. But Jesus makes a distinction based on faith. You know, some people want to touch Jesus just to see if he's real. Uh, some probably touch him with the hope that, uh, that if they touched him, uh, that maybe he would be the one to rescue the nation. In other words, they wanted to touch him to be like an autograph. I touched Jesus and I haven't washed my hands yet. But this lady was different. She had a personal agenda because she desperately needed to get well. What will you do to get well? For her, it was not a matter of the status quo. It was not a matter of business as usual. This was a matter of getting to someone who uh, would once and for all deliver her from a maddening uh, presence of a condition which plagued her for 12 long, arduous years. Can you imagine that? 12 years having to deal with that every single day oh, she did this woman ladies this woman didn't get a break but every single day for 12 years and she got worse over time she had to deal with this surely she probably thought she was gonna die sure so Jairus's daughter was switching Jesus goes here and she is healed because Jesus went to her. In the first case, the woman with the issue of blood, she was healed because she had the faith to be healed, to touch. But here, now, uh, this little girl, she's dead. Where is her faith? Where is her faith? Here we go, verse 39. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, and this is an Aramaic, Alita kume. Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. For she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. So Jesus didn't want anyone around who who were doubtful about his authority and power, even before he had a chance to demonstrate it. In this case, the faith of the girl was not required, but the faith of Jairus was because he had to make an effort to get to Jesus in the first place. And look at this. Did you notice this in the passage? That in verse uh, 23, that Jairus calls the girl little daughter. And now in verse 34, Jesus calls the girl daughter. The Lord teaches us here, that he also cares for us with the same concern as if you were his daughter or if you were his son, that Jesus cares for you the same way. This takes us back uh, to what the disciples asked Jesus when they were in the boat during the storm. Mark 4, verse 38, teacher, do you not care we are perishing? Here, Jesus again demonstrates his love and his care for us by calling the girl daughter. Jesus cared about the disciples. He cared about the man who was possessed by demons. He cared about Jairus' little daughter, and he cared about this woman with the issue of blood. So if Jesus cared about those people, the question is, does God care for you? Does he care for you? Does he really care for you? Our response must be like the people who came running to Jesus in seemingly impossible situations. We must come running to Jesus. Why? Because he told us to cast all of our cares upon him. For he cares for us, 1 Peter 5, 7. So then, we still exhaust all of our money and all of our time and energy trying to get help, what do we do? What do we do? Our our backs are turned. Well, by now, most of you have heard the story about the spread of the Zika virus, which is spreading through South, Central, and parts of North America, right as we sit today and breathe. While it causes some pain and discomfort and irritation in adults, It may cause serious brain damage and a small size to the head of a newborn baby. So in response to this, this is what uh, some pregnant women are now now thinking. There's no solution. No one can help. A vaccine is two to three years away, maybe, even though they say they're going to try to fast track it. But it's two to three years away, and I'm pregnant right now. So now they're saying this. They're starting to think this now, it's coming out of their mouth. Then I really don't have any other choice but to abort my baby. I have no choice. What do you do when you don't have a choice? When your back is against the wall. Jesus has the power and authority even over the one thing that we believe is our worst nightmare. He wants us all to believe in him through faith and trust him, even when it seems like there is no hope. Jesus tells us to go ahead Be like the woman with the issue of blood, and you just uh, want to get to a place that you just want to touch. The hymn, says in one version of Jesus' garment. You just want to be where God's people are because you're hoping that Jesus shows up because he says, when there's two or three gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them that were you I would be getting to church every time the doors is open amen I went talking? well I ain't got time I got this serious problem then maybe your problem is not as serious as you think it is Jesus he loves us and even when it seems like he's delayed in his response he still says trust in me with all your heart All your mind, your strength, and your soul. Trust me. Love me. And I will always come through for you. He may not always come through for you the way that you anticipate. But know that just like He loved that little girl and cared for her, and also the issue with the the woman with the issue of blood, that He also loves you and He cares for you as well. Will you come running to Jesus today? regardless of what your situation is, Jesus is that beacon of hope in the midst of a storm. Let's pray. For this one time, Lord Jesus, and probably one time among many, we bring before you our issues of blood. We bring before you, Lord God, the issues concerning the throes of death at our doorstep. The Lord that we were ready to give up even before coming to church today because we had had enough. But Lord God, we are encouraged to come before your presence today and just throw our issue before you Lord God, some may be seeking healing. Some may be seeking just your presence in their life. Some, indeed, Lord God, as we heard earlier, Lord God, may be at the end of their rope. There's no more rope left. And Lord God, this grip they take, they're done. So, Father, we're praying for all of these